Welcome to Quirky Gems Podcast. I'm a creative living in Southampton, UK. I talk about chronic illness, creativity and everything under the sun. I'm Gem Swallow. This is Quirky Gems Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 79, Brexit, as told by someone with a chronic illness. Hello, I hope that this episode finds you well. Right over here right now, we are having a heavy downpour, it seems like every single second, (laughs) which kind of matches up with the theme of this episode that we're going to talk about, and that is Brexit. So what I find fascinating is that I know a lot of my listeners are from abroad, and I know that a lot of my listeners are either from America, which is kind of like... I'm assuming that if you are from America and you're thinking about British shores and you're thinking about Great Britain, you know, rural Britannia, (laughs) I guess you 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 have it in such high regard, you know, that this is Great Britain and it's, you know, we conquered world wars and we, we are known for being posh, I guess, and the Royal Family, and Westminster, and Big Ben. (laughs) So usually when you think about the UK, they're kind of like, oh, and rain. (laughs) They're the kind of the biggest things that you think about when you think about the UK. So the strange thing being is that three years ago, we had a referendum, and the referendum was whether or not we were going to leave the EU, European Union. And By a landslide, I guess you could say, leavers, they won. And I have to admit, I was and am a leaver. I I voted leave. And I know maybe you didn't. That's okay. Everyone has their own opinion. But it's something that I find fascinating, the way in which it's carried out. Now, you don't have to be in the UK to check the news. And every time you turn on the news, it could be on daytime TV like it is over here. Every other conversation you have, you could be in the supermarket standing up to kind of go through the till or you could be at the bus stop or the train station. Most of the conversations that you're about to have are going to be about two things, one or two things, the weather or Brexit. So when we got the, you know, when we got the forms through to say whether you wanted to leave, there was a lot of advertising around, and I remember it. So you had people coming out and saying that if you vote leave, there's going to be a ton of money going to the NHS, which is what we have over here. So if you are a listener from overseas, and you probably know that we have an NHS. So we're very lucky in a way that we don't have to worry about medical insurance. And... For me, this is something, the reason why I wanted to talk about it in this episode, I'll be honest, I wasn't quite sure whether I should do a Brexit episode because it's everywhere you go. Literally, it's been on billboards, it's on daytime TV, it's on the news, it's literally, you can't get away from it, you know, it's it's just, it's like one of them bad smells, you know, it's like being in a, in a lift, someone farts or something, you think, oh, please don't follow me, please, that's literally what Brexit is like, living here so I'm going to be coming at it from a way because the reason why this is such a something that's on the forefront of my mind is because around about nine years ago we suffered at the hands of a recession our banks went down and we had to bail them out and it was this time that I had just left college and I was one of the people that got hit 
and the effects of being hit by that recession. And it's weird because people talk about it in daytime TV. They refer back to around 10 years ago when the recession took place. Everyone can usually, it's kind of like everyone knows where they were when it wasn't even a day, but everyone knows where they were 10 years ago when like the recession took place. And so for me, the reason why I'm kind of so passionate about it is because I can kind of see history repeating itself. Now, I'm in my 30s, and when the recession hit 10 years ago, I had just left college, and I was looking for a creative job. I just wanted a job maybe in a florist, a cake shop, you know. I I had the thoughts and the feelings that I wanted to get into radio, but the path on which I'd been led down led me on a merry dance. To be honest, it didn't take me anywhere that I wanted to go. So when I left college, I thought, okay, what do I want to do with the time being? It was either be a florist, it was be a cake maker, it was something, you know, a jewellery maker, something that was going to be creative and something that was going to give me a wage at the end of the month, to be honest. But it didn't pan out that way. And so the reason why... I get so passionate about it. It comes from a place of anger and pure frustration because the choices and decisions made by those that are in authority, I guess you could say, I don't think they realise they're in such a big bubble. I don't think that they realise that it impacts people that don't really, I mean, you know, you're going about your day-to-day life, you, you, you care about your own don't you You know you care about having a roof over your head you care about having food you care about whether your next money is coming from how you're going to pay your bills they're kind of like what most of us have in common when the recession hit 10 years ago that was my first glimpse of the adult world and it was shocking it really was so with me I was put into something called a work program. So I was essentially a job seeker. I had to. I had to bring in money and, you know, I was out of work and I just wanted something that I didn't really want there to be a long pause. You know, I just wanted to, I was out of college now, feeling my feet. I just wanted to find a job so that I could have something and to kind of feel I had purpose, you know. Plan A didn't work out. Let's see for now if we can find a plan B. When I was on unemployment, I noticed the difference and I didn't realise how much pressure was put on people being in unemployment. So there was this thing constructed by an MP and a group of MPs signed off on it. One MP doesn't do it all on their own, you know, it has to go through the Houses of Parliament. And these MPs decided that they will do something called the work programme. And what that meant was, is that you were sent off, it was it was kind of under the umbrella of the job centre, you were sent off by a third party company, so they were getting paid for keeping you there, to sit in a room with a few computers and look for jobs for around about six hours a day. That was your main task. It was usually somewhere you had to get a bus to, it was usually somewhere, I mean, if you didn't go, you got sanctioned. And so if you got sanctions, you were going to lose money for a good few weeks. And to be honest, no one wants that. The whole reason why you go is to get money. And my memories at that time were very, they caused me distress and they caused me emotional upset. So much so that I began to get ill. 
So I've always been a migraine sufferer anyway, and throughout my educational years that had an effect on me. But when I went on to the work program, seeing people, you, you, you were made to feel like you were in a prison. No crime had been committed. All you were, you just happened to be the person that fell through the cracks. And they wanted to drum it into you. You need to get a job. You need to stay in your job. They didn't care about any of your skills. They didn't care about your interests. This was before really mental health came to the forefront of a lot of things. And so they didn't care about anything that you were as a person. To them, to the company, you were a number. It was kind of like a classroom experience, but the people in the classroom were all adults. Some of them might have been unemployed for maybe a month others might have been six months if you got over that six months period you were starting to worry because then you were classed as long time unemployed and if you're a long time unemployed they hammered it into you that if you're kind of unemployed for a year eh, you're kind of on the scrap heap to be honest with you that's how they made you feel they didn't really sit down, look over your CV and say, right, so I can see you've got skills in, you know, say, for example, you were to be a florist and maybe you went to college to become this. Nobody really sat with you, looked at your CV, looked at what you had to offer and say, OK, you know what? I think maybe how about an apprenticeship? You know, if you haven't done that yet, or maybe we can look at getting you some work experience. They got paid for keeping you in a room and that was it for a good I think it lasted for about six weeks it was hell on earth it affected you you were tired because you were sat in a room all day and you had a number of computers to around about say yeah on average about 20 30 people in one room it was like a classroom but for adults and you had on average if you were lucky maybe five six computers and back then not everyone had a smartphone and you were told, look through, look through um, a newspaper that provided jobs, look through, you know, job seeking outlets, look through online websites. And you would, it was drilled into you. It was kind of like they were trying to brainwash you into becoming some sort of robot that would take any job. And to me, I was lucky that I found a job at the time. However, I didn't stick it out because I was so affected by the work program and how it was. So... For me, I remember going through applications, never got asked for an interview. It wasn't until I saw an interview in a newspaper. I went up there and I'll be honest, I kind of felt like I was heavily monitored. So you can't really thrive in that kind of position anyway. You know, if someone's breathing down your neck, you're not going to really get that far. Mentally, I was in despair. All I wanted to do was cry. I still, I mean, my worst fear was going back to a job centre because when you go to that place, it saps you of all energy. It has such a negative vibe because the people that are there don't want to be there. I haven't been there now getting on, I think it's been seven, eight years, round about. When you go there, you all have like this empathic energy where you're thinking, I really don't want to be here. I really don't. I remember having to gear myself up emotionally kind of like put along shields around me mentally which takes a lot of energy just to go to the place and then come home and then when I used to come home I used to cry and I used to think I can't do this and you used to gear yourself up for it 
because you think that further down the line it would happen and so if it got to july or august for me even now years later when it gets to july or august i actually wonder if something bad's going to happen because that's the the environment i found myself in when I started getting ill, I already had migraines. Migraines were really starting to take an effect. And I think they were my my symbol for, this ain't working, you know? I remember I wrote to literally every shop I was I had an attraction to in my local high street. And most of them came back saying, I'm sorry, but we can't take you on because we don't have the, you know, we don't have the funds. And I think that was the main flaw in the government's plan back then. They decided to keep these people in a room and drum it into them. You know, the banks had gone down, to be honest. The people at the top took their eye off the ball. They they had all the country's money, and yet they took their eye off the ball. But, oh, no, they didn't get much said about them. No one ended up going to prison, as far as I know. It came down to the job seeker. It came down to, you've got to help get the UK back on track. You've got to find a job from somewhere. It was kind of like you could either find it through looking through your butt or plucking it out of thin air. That seemed to be the only reason or how you could do it and it's changed looking back because the <laughs> the common sense part of it is how can you find a job if the recession is there and companies are trying to keep themselves afloat let's look at the mass keeps yourselves afloat you know breaking even sorry breaking even and trying to keep staff wages going through versus trying to keep trying to get a whole new lot of people through a workforce i mean really i mean i don't know about you i'm not a mathematician but that kind of strikes me as a little bit odd i remember afterwards my health really deteriorated and that's when i began to get really ill and i think that i had so much pressure pressure because literally at the time i just felt i was a number i was worried about being sanctioned and a lot of time if i went to the job center you get talking to someone, they're more interested in showing off or trying to be kind of like, for lack of a better word, what we say here, the big, that we say um, here in the South, the big I am, which kind of means that you have an ego or you're trying to be something you're not. They were more interested in doing that. So when the day came that you were supposed to get your benefit, if you rang up your bank to see if it was there, the majority of the time it wasn't because someone had forgot to press the button then you'd have to do the legwork to do it this was before universal credit came through and this was before a lot of other benefits became entitled you know that i was able to feel the entitlement part of it so at the time of being a job seeker Part of me looking back, I kind of think I should have gotten out of college maybe a year earlier and I should have kind of looked around and tried to find out. But I don't think it kind of would have been the, you know, I don't think it would have happened that way. Because a lot of the time, if a company's struggling as is, it's usually the last one in, the first one out. So for me, it's that's kind of what my mentality went through. And as I say, as I kind of previously have said, that around 10 years ago, mental health wasn't as important. It wasn't as well known as it is now. When Brexit actually was, you know, mentioned, first of all, and when you had all these party leaders that were talking about what could happen, the strange thing being was that I remember looking and I thought, okay, 
so for me I thought more money for the NHS that's great and possibly more opportunities because my generation I'll be honest I was raised knowing that around about two generations previously we had we have factories that are able to make things. We could live off the land. You know, we were a land of promise. Most people would say about the UK is that we're a land of promise. We're a land that, you know, we stick the kettle on and we kind of, we're a kind of a place, you know, have a bourbon if you must, you know. We're a place of hope. We should be a place of prosperity. But right now it's not like that. And they paint a pretty picture. I think the UK government is great at advertising the UK, but the reality of living here sometimes is very hard. Fast forward to now, and a lot of things I can see, I'm kind of like, surely you have the memories of 10 years ago. We're going to go down the same path. Just recently, a massive um, tourist I guess you could say service went down. They they lost their jobs. And it's changed because in the news... Now, I know what it's like to be unemployed. I could feel nothing but empathy for these people that were made unemployed. And that the... You know, and it's supposedly... The rumour is that the big bosses got most of the money. This is what's kind of being told through the mainstream media. Is that the big bosses took more money than they should have done... And thus, you know, they sank the company. When you hear about mainstream media talk about these people and you think, I know exactly how that feels. You know, you might have been at a place for years. Me, I was in education for years. I had in my mind, you know, I got I got thrown into unemployment when I believe I was 18. And I was on there all the way until I think I was 24. On and off. But I was trying so hard to get onto like a steady platform so that I could think I can get a job and I can move on. And then when my health deteriorated, I blamed that. I blamed that experience and that time in my life because I think that compared to my peers and compared to, you know, generally other people my age, I think I had a harder time because just as I was leaving employment, it went down. So I can empathise with those people that have lost their jobs. And it's strange, you know, because for me, I identify myself as I'm someone with a chronic illness. However, I'm trying to make a lifestyle and life for myself. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm in it, really. But I'm trying to make a lifestyle for myself that I'll never have to feel those feelings again. I don't want to feel as though you know, a big change could happen and I'll be on the scrap heap again. The amount of times I lost hope during that time. Now looking back over, I mean, I feel lucky that I have the podcast and I feel lucky that little things, I mean, I live in pain most of the time and I live with fatigue most of the time because I have a bunch of chronic illnesses. But one thing that I find fascinating is that when the recession hit, I was a job seeker. All I wanted was a creative job. I actually got ridiculed for it. I remember going to the job seeker one time and my mum was with me and I was kind of like a spring chicken in there, if I'm being honest. I wasn't used to the world of the job centre. It was like one of my first appointments. I remember saying to one of the advisors that I wanted a creative job. 
I'd always been creative. You know, when I reached 12, I got migraines. So being creative was my way of understanding the world around me and understanding kind of, it's just my way of expressing the world around me. And so it's kind of like a personality trait. And I thought, I'm going through a stressful time now. It would be great in order to have a, a job where I could do something creative for a living. So I remember going to the job centre this one time and my mum was with me. I'm like, oh, I must have been late 20s, mid to late 20s. And I remember sitting there and saying to this this woman, I just want a creative job. You know, I'm, I'm willing to take a creative job. It could have been anything in the, I could have making candles or anything in the creative field. And to be honest, looking back, I don't think it was that big an ask, really. But I remember the woman sitting behind the desk. She looked at me and she went, we all want a creative job. We all want a job where we can do nothing and get paid for it. And I remember it isn't until now looking back and I'm thinking, that's actually not what I said. I actually said I wanted something creative. I didn't say I wanted to sit around on my ass, do nothing and get paid for it. But for me, I found that I had to have my guard up a lot of the time. Fast forward to now, being someone with chronic illness, I believe that I want a a strong foundation to stand on so that I can move forward in my life. I'm putting preparations in place that I can do, you know, but I'm trying to look to the future as best as I can to have something to aim for. And the one thing that lets us down is a benefit system that is there to help those that are vulnerable, have chronic illnesses, or for lack of a better word, that are disabled. And that's the thing that I find both fascinating and frustrating. So you have one benefit that is supposed to be there, it's known as personal independence payment. You have one benefit that's supposed to be there to help those in need if you have mobility issues or if you have issues with your day-to-day life. Getting onto it is near enough impossible. You could be a spy with the British government, you still wouldn't be able to get onto this thing. And they make it impossible because, again, a third party company for the government is in charge. It's very much still similar to the work programme. A third party company is in charge of doing that, you know, is in charge of assessing you whether you're able to have this benefit. When I was introduced to that, that made my my life hell too, because I was already chronically ill, you know. I have fibromyalgia, I have migraine, I have endometriosis, and I have chronic fatigue syndrome. So, as I joked previously on this, on, this, uh, on this podcast, I've got a scroll going on, you know. And I noticed that they want to keep you down. They don't want you to thrive. They say they want you to thrive, but in their mind, no, you stay where you are, you know? And so throughout my adult life, if I'm being honest, I've had hardly no opportunities. I live in a place that isn't too bad, I guess, but I wouldn't know because I'm mainly housebound because I have chronic illnesses. And so I'm of the mind that it's kind of like, okay, so you use what you have. I've always been resourceful. You know, I come from a single parent family and I grew up in poverty. I don't mind saying that because it's part of my backstory. So for me, I've kind of learned that if you don't have it, you make it. You have the tools within yourself to be able to say, okay, I have this. I've got that. Maybe I can reach for that. I just might have to put a few pavement slabs down to get there. So for me, it's more of... I get frustrated because there aren't many opportunities. When I was a teenager and I had 
my health on my side. I kind of had volunteering opportunities and I thought at the time that was going to get me to where I wanted to go. So I put the hours in and even now as an adult, for a period of time, it, it frustrated me because I put the hours in, didn't see anything back. But now it's more of we hear the major parties talk about what's in their manifesto which is basically it's a document telling you that if they got into parliament what they would put forward to help you in your life here's where i kind of here's where maybe i differ from a lot of people so people think about it when they vote how it's going to be for the country and i think that's why in daytime media I mean, I watch a lot of it because I'm at home all the time and, you know, that's what that's what their target audience is for, people that are home all the time. And you have opinion, you know, you have opinion kind of led conversational TV programs that talk about this kind of thing. Everywhere you go, as I mentioned previously, you talk about Brexit. And so for me, when I look at Brexit and when I look at how we voted or maybe if we have a general election coming up I am a, I would urge any of my listeners in the UK and it's completely up to you how you vote but this is something that I've learned and that when you hear people talk about Brexit and how it is for the company I mean sorry how it is for the country and you know you have different people that make up the UK so you might have and they concentrate on these people people with chronic illnesses don't get talked about it's like we don't exist and I think that's really damaging we make up a good proportion of the economy we have to buy things such as wheelchairs cranes we have to spend money sometimes on medication we have to you know we have to buy things like medication like ibuprofen or paracetamol or migraine strips or hot water bottles or cbd this stuff isn't you know this stuff isn't really given freely we make up a good portion of the economy however we're never mentioned we're kind of like we should either be in a room and i think this is what plays on psychology of people because really it's like we have to be in a room we either have to die or we have to stay where we are and bloody well put up with it and to me i have a big issue with that when when they uh the main parties talk about what's coming up in their manifestos and what they're planning on doing and it comes up with social care so social care basically branches out into two things but it's mainly concentrated on the elderly so their argument is and yeah i can see it their argument is that we are living longer, therefore we kind of need more health or more care as we're getting older. I'm of the mind, okay, so we're living longer, that's great, you know, if you want to live a long time, woo, go you, but how about all of those that have chronic illnesses, we aren't all a picture of health, and in this, we never get mentioned. I mean, I'm in my 30s. I got really ill in my mid-20s, right? But people such as myself, maybe like you who's listening, we're written off. And I have a massive problem with that because when they want your vote, they become like, oh, I see you, you know, I see you in that small little town in the UK. You might be going through poverty, you might be going through this. Yes, I see you. We're going to fight for you. We're going to stop all these unfair assessments. We're going to we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And different people, when they vote, sure, they have different things that they're voting on. For me, I just want to be seen. 
I just think for seven, nearly eight years of my life, I've been ill due to a government program that was brought along because they allowed the banks to go down. So I was hit through no fault of my own. Had it been different and had a whistleblower come forward and said, listen, you know, and it's weird because just recently I discovered that people have come forward or did come forward and say, we're going to hit a recession. This is saying, you know, we've got to worry about this. Had someone come forward earlier, I might be in a completely different, and those like me might be in a completely different place to how we are now. That's what I have the massive problem with. So, really, it's strange because I listen to when, I mean, on certain channels on the news over here, you can watch Westminster and you can watch the uh, the Houses of uh, Parliament and Houses of Commons and you can watch them as they kind of, they make these, un- oh my God, these terrible noises like, and all this in the background. You're like, you're grown men, man. Seriously, have a worry yourself. Or basically in my mind, I mean, it's kind of like they grew up in a different education system. They grew up in a different way of life. I grew up, no one kind of said to me, yeah, Gems, you can go to Eton, you can go to, you know, other universities are available. You can go to a high-end university and you can go and you can do politics and you can do this and you can do that. No one said it because where I'm from, generally, people don't become politicians. People don't really become anything. We're kind of like working class, if I'm being honest. Most of us just, as my mum would say, most of us go to a job, put the hours in, and at the end of the day, we come home, at the end of the month, we get a wage. So in my mind, that's kind of the format I've had in my brain. However, I think what's frustrating is that a lot of people in the UK don't have, we know, we're not career politicians, we don't go through politics, because I'm of the belief, when you're in politics, you're never out of a job. You know, if you have a company that goes down, there's a good chance you're going to end up on the job centre. And you're, most people, when they go to work, they work so they don't have to do that. You know, most people, I was talking to my mum just recently, and most people, you know, they they fight and they go to work. They might have chronic illnesses. They might have a really crap job. But they go into their job with the no and the ability and the hope and the assurance of knowing that at the end of that month, they're going to get a paycheck to say, this keeps a roof over your head, this put foods on the table, this keeps the bills paid, right? However, what I find fascinating is, when it comes to people like me, we are literally put through hell. And if you have chronic illnesses, you'll know what I mean. We are put through hell because we are made to feel guilty about being ill. And we are kind of made to feel guilty like you should be productive you should do this you should do that i'm of the mind it's kind of replaying all that time when i was at the job center on the work program and someone said you should be out looking for a job you should have got a job by now why aren't you doing enough these were all the things i heard on near enough a daily or weekly basis and it's kind of like a you know hitting a wall sooner or later bits start to break down and the wall starts to give a little bit so In my mind, I'm of the mind that surely they can see that it's just a little bit of history repeating itself, you know? And it's like, they come out with this thing called Operation Yellowhammer. So if you don't know what that is, Operation Yellowhammer is a document. It's a document that the government gave to members of the press, and I also believe it's online if you want to check it out. And it's basically, 
when Brexit takes place, we're on the we're in the throes of chaos over here at the moment. So, in the mainstream news, be it wherever you get your news from, you might hear something like No Deal Brexit and medications and stuff like that. And yeah, it's pretty dire. I'll be honest. The weather doesn't help sometimes, but it is pretty dire. So, on the ground here in the UK. A lot of companies are worried about, okay, you know, are we going to go under if we can't have exports? If we can't bring, you know, if we can't sell our items, if we don't have a trade deal, we can't sell it outside. And what worries, what I find fascinating is that generations, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, generations ago, we had warehouses, we had factories that can make pretty much anything. My nan, she made parachutes for the Second World War. You had, you know, you had bread factories, you had factories that made crockery. Anything we needed, we are, you know, we were a country that could provide it. And we were a country that other countries want to do business with. However, now, going forward, no one knows what's going to happen. There's been a lot of scaremongering, which is another word for a lot of politicians and people in authorities that have, you know, wanted to put the wind up here and wanted to kind of worry you as to what the future might hold. As someone with chronic illness, someone that, something that's quite a worry for me, but I'm kind of taking it as it comes, is medication. I really am quite lucky in a way. I only have one type of medication, one that I can buy from really pharmacies or supermarkets. So at the moment, I'm thinking I have ibuprofen. And I, well, really, it kind of delves a little bit deeper because I have something called a migraine strip, which when I get a migraine or the beginning of one, I put it and it's kind of like, it's just a strip with a gel on it. It's cold and you put it on your forehead and that warns off a migraine. It just kind of, you know, it calms your muscles and calms your nerves. I also take ibuprofen. If I don't have a big supply of ibuprofen, I start to panic because I'm in pain a lot. You know, I have endometriosis and I also have migraine. Those are the two things that throughout the day I've got to keep an eye on. The one thing that you can't get in a supermarket, a chemist or any other shop on the high street is what my medication is. And I take a medication called pregabalin. And this is to keep my fibromyalgia symptoms, widespread body pain, at bay. If I don't have that, I go into a flare and literally it's hell on earth. I've never known pain like it. It's like you can't even describe it. It's like someone's put sunburn on you put like wires on you and cranked it up so you kind of get an electrocuted and sunburn at the same time so I've known a few people say to me that they've had worries with their medication and you know not being able to get hold of medication thankfully I'm lucky that you know we're in different regions and I know that they say about stockpiling so they have measures in place and that's what Yellowhammer details so it says in Yellowhammer believe it or not I actually did a little bit of research before doing this episode a part of Yellowhammer document says that chaos might ensure for around three months after a no deal Brexit we're supposed to leave no we're supposed to leave Brexit is supposed to take hold and we're supposed to leave the EU on October 31st. We've already had extensions, but the amount of government, you know, they've kind of put through the same deal twice, it got rejected twice. And so now we're kind of in this limbo. We see our Prime Minister looking, you know, being in kind of hospitals and other places, 
I don't know. Part of me thinks that maybe behind the scenes, you know, they're working out the kinks of maybe a deal, but nothing's been mentioned to us. So I think that's what's adding the fuel to the fire, and that's what's getting people's frustrations up. Another thing is that with the government, <laughs> we are so focused right now on a no deal. And that would mean that there's no trade deals. The UK can't talk to other countries. We can't talk to France. We can't talk to Spain. We can't talk to anywhere else in the, in the EU because we're running out of time. And right now we're coming towards the end of September. And a lot of us are wondering what's going to happen if we leave without a deal. We're basically living off of our own land. However, it wouldn't be exactly the same as it was all those generations ago. Because remember... We don't have those factories anymore. We don't have those warehouses churning out goods and services. Sure, we have goods and services, but most of it's done online now. And unless I've given this some thought as well, it's like startup companies. Unless they have the money behind them, will they be able to take off? So a lot of it kind of comes down to money. And so I really don't want another recession to take place because I got burned by the other one and I still carry the scars. However, we're not being told the full extent of what's going on behind the scenes. But moving forward, looking at all the possible candidates, because we all know a general election is coming up. We all know it. We just haven't. We're just not, not quite sure when. So I've been looking at the main parties, and as I mentioned previously in episode 78, I've contacted a few of the party leaders, because how I see it, no, I might not be a part of a big corporation, but I am a form of media, and I have a way of, I'm talking to you right now, and I'm of the belief that sometimes, if you get someone and you ask some questions, if I were to ask someone like an MP a question, I'd want to know... What in the manifesto is going to be, I mean, do you have something in the manifesto about the planet? You know, everyone is aware of their plastic use. Everyone is aware of their recycling. Everyone is aware of the waste. Everyone is aware of fast fashion. You know, um, secondhand September, that's been made a thing by um, Oxfam, a charity. If you're not quite sure what that is, check out my Instagram page and I... It, it will give you all the information and I will give you all the information at the end of this episode. All of these things that are taking place, but we're not being told. So the Green Party, that's uh, I think there's like four main parties over here. The Green Party are great at advocating climate change. They're keeping climate change on the agenda. And for that, I take my hat off to them because they're really campaigning hard. And, you know, they're saying that this is a real thing. Climate change isn't a made up thing. You know, everyone's got different opinions on it, but it is a thing. So they're complaining, but I haven't heard much about things that affect my day-to-day -day life. I haven't heard much about assessments or mental health or things that I find would affect my target audience in society, you know, or my group in society. I guess it would, as I mentioned, be under social care, but they haven't mentioned that. So I don't actually know what their stance on that is. So... Going forward, this is what I'm looking for in parties because even though they want, even though they want your vote, conservatives got in last time basically because 
Theresa May got the deal going and everyone thought, I didn't vote for Conservatives, you know, for obvious reasons, but everyone thought that they would be able to get Brexit over the line and that we'd be able to leave the EU and that everything could continue great. Didn't quite work out that way. So the other ones, um, the Liberal Democrats, so I found out a little bit, I was more on the side of, there were two main parties that for me stood out. One of them was Labour, and failing that, the Liberal Democrats. However, finding out a little bit about the Liberal Democrats, it changed my mind a little bit, you know, because as I mentioned, you're voting for the party that is going to have the greatest effect on your way of life. For me, I am still, if if the vote came through tomorrow, I'd vote Labour. And that's simply because of what they have in the manifesto about talking about people that are on the lower end of the of the wage scale, you know? I mean, it's sad to think that a good proportion, I think if I were young, if I was a child in this time instead of being an adult, I think my family would have been on food banks. If they were a thing when I was a kid, the way we lived in poverty, again, I mentioned I was a, I was raised by a single parent and my father declined his financial responsibilities. His choice, he paid the consequences. But it's strange because if it had been different, we might have been on a food bank. So, you know, that's something that you've got to kind of take into consideration that a good proportion of people, even if they're in work, they still might be using food banks. And to me, I really think that is something that needs to be looked at. And I wonder, a lot of what's being talked about in government is about Brexit, but no one's getting to the nitty gritty. No one's talking about the fact that people are becoming ill through, you know, through disability assessments. People are having to use food banks. People are worried about their jobs. People are worried about whether their companies are going to thrive. All of these things, people are worried about lack of housing or in the NHS. All of these things have a massive effect on society, but not much of it's playing out. So I'll be curious to see if you had to vote, who would you vote for? If you're in the UK, do you have an idea of who you'd vote for? or not so for me i've mentioned that labor comes out on top but i would say is that i know i've done a poll on instagram before and i asked my listeners have you voted did you vote previously and a lot of listeners said no and the thing is believe it or not your vote really does make a difference because it can make a difference to your way of life a lot of people are saying you know your vote counts and it really does because believe it or not when you're in your bed and you're in pain and you're thinking I can't take this anymore you know and I'm I'm really hanging on and I don't know what to do believe it or not if you vote you might be able to change it because you can change how things are you know how things are playing out how they understand your illness how awareness works and that's the thing that no one says everyone if you're of voting age everyone has a right to be heard and no one really talks about that. So what I would say is that if you're in the UK and you're on voting age, and maybe you're a listener of Quirky Gems podcast, I would say choose very carefully about who you'd vote. Maybe you know someone that's becoming made redundant. Under a Tory government, can you see that changing? Would there be another recession? Would there be more jobs? 
Under a Lib Dem government, would it be the same thing? Would it be different under a Labour government? Can you imagine there being more jobs? Would there be more hope? This is something for me, as someone with chronic illness, this is something that I get frustrated about so often. I get frustrated about because of the lack of opportunities here. I mean, it might be the same where you live. I'm frustrated. I mean, being online, I'll be honest with you, being online is sometimes you, I mean, sometimes I look at my devices. I did it before I press record on this episode. I looked down at my device, which is a tablet. You know, I'm not high end. I'm just a woman (laughs) looking at a bedroom wall with a couple of opinions, pressing record and talking into a microphone. And it's strange to think, you know, I'm not owned by a big corporation. I don't have a contract. I'm not paid a grand amount for presenting I just do it because I think that it's another way of media and because I enjoy it and maybe one day I hope to earn a living from it that's what that's all I've ever wanted really is to kind of be a radio presenter and I've talked about it previously and that's been that it's strange because it's what you want to do a lot of the time, because of cuts and because of where we find ourselves, a lot of the time, there aren't any opportunities for us to do it. And so that, for me, is what leads to frustration. With the internet, I mean, right now, I am using an American company to broadcast my podcast to you. So I use social media, I use an American-owned company, and I use it to press record on a tablet to really it's kind of like I have listeners from parts of the EU and new listeners all the time I have listeners from Australia and from the UK places that I've never even go to and I've lived there all my life but it's amazing to think that we have this amazing you know we have these amazing devices and so far we take it for granted and that's something we're actually going to be focusing on going forward with the podcast and it's something that you may have noticed if you listen to previous episodes I talk a lot about social media and so I'm actually going to be talking about an episode coming up where I'm going to be talking about our CV I'm not going to be doing it like you should have a CV because you should be looking for a job no I'm going to be looking at it because we you know when you look at Brexit we might not be able to go down the same channels as someone else but we have so much available to us we have the internet providing we have a connection oh if you read my Instagram story this morning you will know that rain and internet connection they aren't friends but if you have an internet connection you have the ability you can do pretty much anything you set your mind to do and that's something that with the government it's more about we are in this bubble and we are affecting people But vote for us because we promise you we can change it. I'm of the mind, it's kind of like, I will judge you based on what you've done for me. So that's something that I'm going forward with. But we're going to be looking at, in this podcast, Quirky Gems podcast, we're going to be going forward because there's a lot of change. If you're an avid listener, you'll know that's a massive change for me. And so I'm looking for the future because there's a change that it might work out for the worse, it might work out for the better. And so for me, I'm going to be looking at what changes I can make. And you might even find that there's some changes in the new year. All good though. So make sure you stay tuned. But I'm working on some changes behind the scenes. And I want to 
really look at it from a different way. I want to look at what do we have around us we take for granted that might get us where we want to go. So in this episode, I'm going to be talking about CVs because believe it or not, now I've talked to you guys about what my job seeking days were like. A lot of it was traumatic, but a lot of it I learned from and a lot of it I believe I can pass on. So it might just help someone out in the future. So if you're interested in more information, make sure to follow me or make sure that you tune in. New episodes drop every Monday and usually every Friday. And so might be able to help each other out here. You know, if it's just my podcast is just small, but I might be able to help you out with something that I've learned along the way that if you're willing to, we might be able to move forward and kind of look at things in a different way because that's how change comes about really, isn't it, when you think about it. So make sure that you stay tuned this way. And for more information, if you want to listen to previous episodes, if you're listening via a podcast app, what you can do, if you if you're listening to a podcast app and you're not able to see the cover out of this episode or any other episodes, you can check them out. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. Those handles are both the same. It's at Gems Quirky. You can also find me on my website, thequirkygem.wordpress.com. That again, thequirkygem.wordpress.com. If you want to follow me on there, you'll never miss an episode. That basically means you'll get an email to say that a new episode has dropped. You just click the link. And you click the image and it takes you to, it's all clicking, isn't it? It takes you to the picture. Oh, technology, isn't it great? And <laughs> if you want to follow me or comment, please do. As you know, I love the comments. I also love listeners' uh, feedback. So if you do have anything to say, please keep it kind. I am only human. And we can talk about it in a future episode. So in the next couple of episodes, I'm going to be talking about what I've been up to lately called um, In a Crafty Minute. I'm going to be talking about what I've been up to lately, where my mindset's been at. In Because if you're an avid listener, you'll know that I'm on the road to having a hysterectomy. As I mentioned, I have endometriosis. So that's the biggest thing in my life right now that's kind of causing me a little bit of little bit of worry, a little bit of, you know, uneasiness. How's it going to go? So make sure that you stay tuned for that. And I'm also going to be talking about online friends and your CV. So do make sure that you stay tuned. And uh, yeah, we can, um, we can have a good discussion about that. I've already had some great comments so far. So for chronic illness, creativity and conversation, keep it here, guys. Only at Quirky Jams Podcast. Thank you so much much for listening.